Those words, uh, we live or die by the clock, they actually take me back about 20 years to 1988 when I got out of college and uh, took a job in Maryland. It was my first job. It was my first apartment. It was my first year of marriage. It was kind of a first for everything that year. And, um, you know, when you move into a new area, you get your apartment, you find your bank, you figure out how to go from point A to point B, right? And when you move into a new state, you need to do something to make it legal to go from point A to point B, and that is get your license. And if you know, know me, you would have figured, I would have gotten that the first day I got into the state of Maryland, but I didn't. <laughs> I waited till the last day. I don't know why. Maybe it was because there was so many firsts in my life. But I, w- I did nothing to prepare. Usually, I like to, like, memorize the book, make flashcards for the sign test, right, and, and, and prepare enough such that I could be employed by the DMV to administer the test. I found myself that day in, in a long, windy line having to take the test. And I don't know what I was thinking when my wife said, hey, let's go take it now. So we get up there, and I noticed the last time I took the test was in Massachusetts when it was a book test. And I look, and it's on computer, which immediately makes my blood pressure go up a little bit because I'm a little anxious. And but I'm an IT guy. That's what I just got out of school for. So I'm like, no problem. We'll, we'll go do it. So she goes one way. I go to the other way. And you log in, and I get this blue screen, this blue screen that says, you now have, I forgot whether it was 10 minutes or 15 minutes. The point is there was some timer that they put up on that screen. It says it will start counting down when you hit next. You can only get three wrong. You must advance. You can go back, but the counter will start counting down. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I proceed to hit next, and I answer a couple questions just fine. I'm getting them right, but, you know, that clock keeps ticking down. I get one wrong. Now, you figured it, it would say, hey, you got one wrong. Just move on ahead. It said, you not only got one wrong, but you can only get two more wrong. And by the way, you have eight minutes and 36 seconds to actually finish it. So I was like, oh. So I keep answering. Every tick makes my brain turn off. It makes my wife's brain turn on. For me, it makes it turn off. So I I keep going. All of a sudden, I get this red screen, seriously, that says, you have failed. You have failed. You have failed. (laughs) And I believe it also played music. I don't think it did, but it felt like it played music so everybody could actually see, look at his accomplishment for the day. It was very stressful. It was very embarrassing. It was embarrassing when my wife came out. She's like, where's your license, Rob? And I'm like, I didn't get it today. But seriously, the, the sight of a timer counting down makes my body go into stress. But I went back two weeks later. I got a perfect score. So every time I see that timer... I can get some relief because I knew that I passed the test. Well, stress, that's what we're going to talk about today. Stress is a common thing for every one of us. It's common like the door, that we're in the series called Doors, right? We chose this motif of doors because it is common. It is neutral. All it does is convey the intention of the one who is to control the doorknob. It's common. We use it to let people in or to let people out, to confine maybe your kids or to give them some time alone, some freedom. We may use a closet to stuff some things in there, right? Close the door. Or we may use it to open up space. Stress is a common thing, and that's that's what I want to talk to you about today. Last week, we talked about how God can make the impossible possible, right? And how we can go from 
in our old life with so much baggage and to be able, if we're willing, to accept that new life in Jesus Christ. And what I want to do this week is look at stress. What does God have to say about stress? And as a Christ follower, I mean, what should you do in the face of stress? I'm going to ask the ushers to come down with Bibles because we're going to be digging in to find out what God has to say about it. So they're going to come down. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead. Just raise your hand. They will give you one. It is our gift uh, to you to keep. Don't keep it on a dusty shelf. Uh, We really consider those words in there very powerful. Uh, Consider it your, your manual for life. Open it up daily. So, enough on that. Uh, We're going to talk about stress. Every one of you experiences stress. It doesn't matter if you're highly paid. It doesn't matter about your lifestyle. It doesn't matter about your age, your race. Everybody experiences stress. And in this time where everything, our culture seems to demand so much, right? When we don't have enough time to do everything already. Adults, you understand this. In this tough economy, what's happening? Layoffs happen. Does the work go away? No. The work ends up being on your desk. And you didn't have time enough to begin with to take on that new work. Students, you understand it too. You've got homework. You have friends. You have um, a job that you're trying to take care of. You're trying to have some time of your own. And the idea of sleep, that's a joke. You're trying to get just a couple of hours in each day. I mean, in this culture where we're stuck in overdrive, it seems like we never really accomplish anything, right? Or we don't feel like we're doing anything well. All we feel like is we're juggling one demand after another. And just when we think that we made a couple steps progress, someone or something, a delay or an interruption outside of our control, throws us back just a little bit more and nearly sends us over the edge, right? I mean, life is whizzing by. The idea of a day of rest, to you, that just means I'm going to get a day behind. I cannot rest. We were, not, we were not designed to be worn out, stressed out, and burned out. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. It won't surprise you that in this place of stress over here, that 75 to 90% of all the doctor's visits are related to stress. Maybe that doesn't surprise you. Stress is also linked to the six leading causes of death. Heart disease, lung ailments, suicides, accidents. Stress is linked to those things. Over here, 40 to 50 million of us, our sleeping habits are impacted by stress. Over here, we really, really feel the weight of Jesus' words when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, over here, you don't even think that there's another option. There is, you know, to you, stress may just be the norm. And the ability to experience peace in the midst of your stress may not even register to you. You just feel this tension. You feel this tension that in this world you will have trouble. Oh, yeah, we feel that. And then the tension is because you read verses like Isaiah 26.3, where it says, You, God, will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You're like, perfect peace? I will just take a little morsel of peace. 
right? But it doesn't feel like a possibility to you. You need to know that you were not designed for long-term stress. You were not designed to just be under the gun all the time. You were created in his image. And in here, when you read about the Spirit of God, you will never see the words, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, under stress, patience. No. You will never read in here that Christ came so that you can have abundant stress. Right? In here, you will not read that he came to free you from your sin but make you a slave to stress. The only kind of stress that's good is short-term stress. Because when we're under stress, our bodies are designed. What happens is it shoots adrenaline into our bodies. What does that do? It gives us energy to take care of something, to be constructive with that moment. We weren't built such that, you know, when you get that adrenaline, it's like, yin, you know, when you rev your car, yin. If you do that for too long, if you redline it, what's going to happen to the car? The engine's going to blow. You weren't designed to be under long-term constant stress. And the simple fact is, control your stress or it will control you. It is true that Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But I would be remiss if I didn't give you the full conversation that Christ had with his disciples then. There are other words that you need to hear. He said to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Over here, it's not that the stress isn't there. It's that we can find peace in the midst of our stress. How? He says, in me you will find that peace. Over here, stress is not only physically destructive. It is emotionally destructive and spiritually destructive. Why? Under stress, we will always seek relief. We weren't designed to go long-term with it, so we will seek relief. And when we do that in the wrong way, it can be destructive. In a lot of ways, we seek to get that relief. Some will try to work harder. We'll get relief through working harder. That doesn't work. We may get relief through addictions, through gambling, through sex, alcohol, or drugs. We get relief. Or we may take it out on somebody else. Or we may seek relief by ending our life. None of those, none of those provide genuine, long-lasting solution whatsoever. Today I want you to know that there is a godly way to handle stress. This whole door series has as its underlying premise, right, that the only way we can get from One option to the better option is in Christ. And I wouldn't be up here doing a self-help message. This isn't about stress, conquer yourself. Yes, we engage in it, but we're only going to get through it in Christ. And so that's the the impossible is only made possible through Christ. And if if you're wrestling with what does this in Christ thing mean, what does a Christ follower mean, I just would encourage you to check the What's Up card to talk to a pastor or LifePoint Overview on the 13th actually talks about that. I would encourage you to take part in that and start to understand what it's about because it's not all about you. It's about engaging with God in the process. In the face of stress right here, we actually have a choice. 
you're like, what choice do I have in stress? Well, sometimes the choice all the time with, with stress is we have a choice on how we are going to respond to stress. Now, that's easy if the stress is being caused by me, right? If I'm the one because of my lack of organization or my inability to say no to anybody, I do understand that I have a choice in the, in the face of stress. But it's harder when, when the stress is because of weather, because of the economy, or because of some very bad situation that has gone on in my life. That's harder to understand that I have a, have a choice in the stress. But every one of us in the face of stress has the choice to respond, either good or bad. Now, the great thing is, is we're not the first ones to have to wrestle with this stress thing. You see, it, Paul knew that the Philippians would struggle with stress. Normal, everyday stress like you and I. But he also knew they were part of the early church. So they were going to be persecuted for what they believed. So just normal life stress and then add on top of that being part of the early church. So I want to look at a passage that will help us understand God's stress management plan. If you will, turn to me in those Bibles we just handed out, page 816. It's Philippians 4. 816, Philippians 4. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You know where Paul was when he wrote these words to the Philippians? He was in prison when he wrote the words, Rejoice in the Lord. Obviously, he knew how to find true joy and peace beyond his circumstance, right? And he was giving that insight to the Philippians on how God could make the impossible actually possible. And that is how God can give you peace in the midst of your stress. There are a couple things we can take away from that passage in Philippians. The first is this. Consider what God is doing. Ask him, is there any reason why you are going to why you're going through the circumstance that you're going through, that you're being allowed to go through that? Is there any reason? I like what Jennifer Rothschild said in her book, Lessons I Learned in the Dark. She says, sometimes God lets us be hungry so he can feed us. And sometimes he lets us wander just so he just so we'll look for him in the cloud. Perhaps the first thing you need to do to get peace in the midst of your stress is to ask God, is there any rhyme or reason of why I'm going through what I'm going through? You know what? There may not be. That may be one thing. You may be silent. Nope. It's just there. Lean on me to get through it. But oftentimes, God will use our circumstances to help draw him closer, us closer to him, to get us to trust him more, maybe to be a better father or better mother, maybe just to be patient in life. 
but you have to ask him, hey, is there anything going on here? You know, when I sit in my little centra, I get a little stressed. You probably think I'm always stressed, but I'm not. Every time I go in there right now, what happens? I turn the key, and there is a little light that says, check engine soon, right? That thing points to a problem. How big, how small, I have no idea until I take it in and find out what is the problem behind that. Now, I may be a lot more stressed after I find out what the bill is to fix it, but I cannot get on the road to peace until I go inquire about that. And so I just suggest this morning, ask God, hey, is there anything behind what is going on in this stressful situation? Because experiencing peace in the stress may begin with that very question. The next thing is, and you can't do the other one without doing this, and that is get alone with God. That gave Paul great, great peace. He said, uh, the Lord is near, right? He took great comfort in that because he knew that lasting and true joy and peace was not rooted in the circumstance, that it was rooted in the presence of Christ. And as a Christ follower, you need to know that your joy and your peace can never be lost. Why? Because you can never lose Jesus Christ. That's one thing you always got to keep in mind, and Paul knew that. He even went to the extent where he said, be anxious about nothing. And I'm like, Paul, how can I get anxious about nothing? And his answer is, I'll tell you how. Read, meditate on his word, pray. Pray about what? Pray about everything, he said. Yeah, but about me? Yes, about you. Little things? Yes. Pray about all of those things. Now, the thing with prayer, a lot of times, prayer can change a very stressful circumstance. But oftentimes, it doesn't change the circumstance. What it does is it changes the one who is praying. Because God starts to speak into your heart, and he starts to guard your heart. And we've got to guard our hearts when we're under stress. I don't know if you're like me, but when I, when I get stressed, I can have a tendency to look at everything that is going wrong, right? We can look at that, and then we get totally blinded. The solution may be right there before me, but because I'm looking at everything that is going wrong, I don't see that whatsoever. So we must guard our hearts. Otherwise, we end up getting very pessimistic, very negative, or when somebody gives us a solution, we just shoot it right down. So we've got to guard our hearts, and we play a role in that process. And here's what Paul would say as far as what's my role. He'd say, okay, you want to combat it? Here's how you do it, by letting your gentleness be evident to all, by having an attitude of thanksgiving in your prayers, by thinking of what is right, what is noble, and putting that into practice. As we submit to that kind of instruction in our lives, the peace of God will start to guard our heart and start to speak into our heart. And that peace, that's not a peace that you or I can manufacture through our knowledge, our skill, our ability. That's a peace, when he says transcends all understanding, You're not going to understand it because you're not going to have the ability to produce that kind of peace. So consider what he's doing. Guard your heart. Get alone with him. And I want to talk about one other thing. 
And that is called living intentionally. Do as the psalmist said in Psalm 90. Live as if your days are actually numbered. Why do I bring that up? Because over here, a lot of times, the stress that we're feeling is because we are majoring in the minor things in life. You've probably heard people say that before. All that means is you're spending the most amount of time on the least important things and the least amount of time on the most important things. And they are stressing you out. We've got to live as if, you know, our days are numbered. To ask ourselves the question, is this an emergency? Is this actually worth dying for or affecting my family? We've got to figure out what is important. We've got to prioritize as if it's important. And then we've got to follow through and actually live it that way to make that happen. I do not want to get at the end of my life to figure out that I majored in the minor things in life. I want to get to the end, and I want to hear the, stu- the, the sentences that my sister heard. My sister was 38. She died of colon cancer. She left a two-year-old behind, a six-year-old behind. She died ahead of me, my brother, and my parents. And um, I got to spend a lot of time with her uh, once she got the terminal diagnosis. It was a short six months. But I got to see her wrestle. Even as a Christ follower, she wrestled with the whole dying thing and what would it mean and but she also wrestled with those little ones. Will they even miss me? You know, she had, she had different qu- questions, different versions of the question, did I major in the right thing? And there came a time, she didn't have the means to give them anything. She just didn't have a job that would provide a lot of things. And so she wondered if when she was gone, would they, would they know? And there came a time, because her days were literally numbered, there came a time when she had to tell my, my nephews, her sons, that mommy was going to die. And you would think that a conversation like that would never bring peace to anyone, but it brought great peace to her. Why? Because when she said that to them, here's what my oldest nephew said. Mommy, who is going to take us to grandpa and grandmas like you did? Mommy, who is going to play with us like you did? Mommy, who's going to take us to cousins in Raleigh and play like you did that for us. In those short moments where she shared that, all of her anxiety about the kids and how they'd be left, it kind of faded away. She knew that she majored in the right things in life. And it wasn't about the toys. It wasn't about the job, the house, or all that to make it happen. It was about majoring in the right stuff. And she found out at that time, And it gave her peace in the midst of her stress to be able to just go on at peace knowing what was ahead of her. I say that this morning because a lot of our stress is caused because we are majoring in the minor things. And so just ask yourself the question, am I majoring in the minor minor things? And is it worth affecting me and all those around me? That's something that you have a choice to change. And you can make a choice for the better. Yes, stress is a reality. We, we all are not going to escape it, but we all have a choice. We all have a choice whether it was we're the source of our stress or not. We have a choice to basically believe God when he says, I can give you peace in the midst of your stress. But Rob, are you willing to go from over there toward me? Are you willing to give up con- trying to control it and let me control it with you? 
in the face of stress, I would just challenge you this week. I write little little verses and I put them in my monitor clip. Write Philippians four through six on your on a little sheet of paper or your business card. Put it in your pocket. I guarantee you, you're going to have stress this week. And as you're faced with that, pull out that little verse. Meditate on it. Talk to God about it. Say, hey, what's up? What's going on here? Guard your heart and live intentionally. Really treat each moment as it's precious. And let the prince of peace, let him do the work of making the impossible possible. Let's pray. Father, I, you know, I don't thank you for the stress. <laughs> but um, I do thank you that in the midst of it, that I get to experience peace. Um, what I do know is that I like to control things. And there's probably others here today that like to do the same thing. I just pray that you help us to pry our little fingers off of the circumstance and basically put our fingers on you and to wrap our arms around you and to understand how to get through this. Lord, help us also to face that question when we ask, does this have anything to do with me? That's kind of a scary question that we can ask. But we can rest assured that you love us and that you will take us through that. And on the other side, it is nothing but better because you love us. And so, Father, we just, um, we just thank you that we're not alone in this. And we ask for your guidance as you lead us. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.